In fact, I, I got uh, just something fun and uh, interesting from a guy in our church. This is what he literally sent to me. He said, my wife and I have been married for 42 plus years. Uh, we've been through gas shortages, high interest rates in the 80s, the crash in 87, the tech bubble of 2000, the Great Recession of 2008, countless wars, and now this COVID-19 pandemic. This has led me to one irrefutable conclusion. My wife is bad luck. <laughs> I just thought that was great. I just needed, you know, to share that with you. Uh, I got another, you know, picture that was sent to me, you know, uh, kind of humorous, but kind of really on point. And you can see this picture. It says, uh, with the Satan is saying, with COVID-19, I closed your churches, God. And God replies, on the contrary, I just opened one in every home. And that's really been true, that we've just seen so many people that are actually engaging now that maybe never engaged before. And so whether you're in this region or that you're in, you know, Seattle or Arizona, we've had people from Texas, from the Philippines, from China, we are so glad that you are here today as we continue our series on, on thriving through or how to thrive through this COVID-19. How do we come out better than when we came in? Because here's what I can honestly tell you. There are some things that I'm looking at in my own life that I hope you're pausing long enough in yours as well to be able to say, you know what? I, I don't want to return to some of that. I don't want to return to what was normal. You hear people say, I just want to return to what's normal. And in fact, I want to say, I want to return to a new normal, learning some things through this season that will carry it beyond this season. As we talked about last week, maybe some roots that will grow deeper. In fact, we're looking at our lives on what foundation you know, in which we're existing. You know, for example, all of us know that we're living on a certain foundation and we know through storms, we know through crisis that what we live our lives upon is revealed. And that's a lot of what we talked about last week. But Jesus said these words when he said the difference between those who build their foundation on sand or foundation on rock is simply those who hear my words and put them into practice. Well, one of the greatest words that Jesus ever said came, comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. If we learn how to do this well, knowing how that they interchange and connect with each other, we will lay a solid foundation, even in the midst of and the effect of COVID-19 that it's having on our lives. So how do we do this? How do we love God with our heart emotionally? That's what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, I'm so excited to let you know that Adam Hebe, who is our CR pastor, who oversees so many different important ministries at our church, is going to talk to us about how do we love God with our strength, physically, with our bodies. What does that look like? Uh, and then two weeks from now, we are going to be talking about loving God with our mind. And Hester Christensen on Mother's Day is going to present that to us. I'm so excited for you to hear what God has placed on her heart. And then we'll finish up the week after that with wrapping up the series by talking about how do we love God with our mind? How do we love it with our mind? And so with that being said, today we want to look at thriving emotionally. But let me back up. Uh, there's nothing wrong with emotions and some of the emotions that we're dealing with. Now, here's what I know, that there are some guys, let me just say men, it's hard to talk about and deal with emotions. Primarily because sometimes we think as men, and I know I'm generalizing, 
Sometimes we think as men that by expressing emotions or having feelings, it makes us feel weak. Or we observe other people who might be living their lives emotionally. In fact, somebody might say, you know what, that person's really emotional. And that's not a label that we want to have. And so when somebody says, hey, let's talk about or deal with our emotions, we're like, no thanks. Let's do something, anything else besides that. But the reality is we do have emotions. In fact, if you don't like the word emotion, how about the word drive or passion? Because uh, that's true of most guys that I know, most people, everybody has drive or passion of something that they're interested, something that gets them excited or moved, whether it be your family or your work or your hobbies. There's so many areas that we are passionate about. So just for, let's just say it this way, just for kicks and giggles, here's what I want you to do. Think about the last thing that moved you emotionally. Honestly, think about the last thing. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Turn to somebody, if you're with somebody else in your house, your home, in your car, wherever you may be watching this, and share what the last thing was that moved you emotionally. In fact, if you're on one of our platforms and you're commenting, whether it be through Facebook or through our website, share that as well. We'd love to hear. I, I can tell you this last week, it wasn't about a few days ago that it, all of a sudden it hit me, as I have a junior in high school who's... 17 years of age. And it just moved me to begin to think, I only have a little over a year left with him. And that's hard. And yet I want to take every day, every moment to express my love and appreciation, activities, and the highs and lows, whatever this year may come, just to let my son know how much I love him. See, that's what moved me emotionally. What was it for you this last week? See, sometimes we forget that Jesus also had emotions. Uh, the shortest verse in our Bibles, do you know what it is? It's two words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept, that's right. He wept and felt the grief of those around who knew a guy by the name of Lazarus. It was one of Jesus' friends who had died. And in their grief, Jesus was overcome by the grief that he was observing and he was sharing in that the Bible says that he not only cried, but he wept. Talk about an expression of emotion. Remember when Jesus got angry and he overturned tables in the temple? And the anger because of a righteous indignation, a, a, an injustice that was taking place and how it welled up in anger. What about times he was frustrated with his disciples or the Pharisees? I mean, there was even one instance where the crowds leave him and he looks to his disciples and says, are you guys going to leave now? Or maybe probably most significantly, how troubled his soul was, how he grieved, how he was so stressed out, the Bible even said, that he sweat drops of blood knowing that Within the next 24 hours, he was going to the cross. See, some of us, when we think about Jesus' emotions, it challenges us. And some of us might think it makes him seem less than. and almost kind of brings him down. And yet, I think it actually makes him greater than. Because he was fully God and fully man. It's someone we can relate to. Someone we can actually journey through life who understands the emotions, the great emotions that all of us are feeling during this time. You see, God reveals five ways that we can emotionally thrive through this time. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you're wired. All five of these apply to all of us and they can help us in our filling, 
and who we are when it comes to his word. But I'm sorry, we're out of time. So you have to come back next week. So as we close, you know, just want to let you know that, no, no, I just, Kenny, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, I know. I know. Freaked out our worship. You should see the worship team. They're freaking out right now. You know, I know. <laughs> it's just something, you know, that happens. I just wanted to mess with them. And so absolutely it worked. And so thanks. Thanks for that. You know, as well. He's so mad right now. Uh, <laughs> I just love it. Hopefully you enjoyed that, you know, as well. That's actually where we ended last week. You might remember. I'm like, all right, here's these five things. And I'm sorry, we're out of time. It was one of those cliffhangers. But we really want to pick up there with the time that we have left. So again, if you have your Bibles, open to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at four little verses that tell us the five ways in which we can connect to God emotionally, that we can build that foundation here and come out of COVID-19 and all that entails better than when we came in. Philippians 4.4 says these words, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again in case you didn't hear it the first time. I say it again, rejoice. Now, it doesn't mean that we are happy all the time. Like, yay, I'm so happy that we are going through this horrific season and so happy I'm disconnected and so happy that I'm stressed out. That's not what it means. Joy is an internal experience. And how do we have it? Paul says it, in the Lord. It's not that I'm happy I'm going through these things, but when I'm in the Lord, when I'm focused on God, regardless of the storm that comes, I can find internal emotional joy. I can actually rejoice in those things because my focus is on God, not on whatever I'm going through. So the first thing for us is to emotionally connect to Jesus regularly. Emotionally connect to Jesus regularly. Uh, one of the ways I can, I can tell you this, and maybe you can identify, is I remember first dating Carolina. Uh, when, I first, uh, when we first started dating, you know those, those are the feelings you know, that you're overcome by. Uh, you know, we, we would talk till late in the night. And, and, and here's what's interesting during that season. I still had stress. I still had good and bad things that would go on in my life. But it always seemed to be better knowing that I had Carolina to talk to knowing that I had Carolina to, to be with later or whatever may be going on in my life. See, all of a sudden, I could get through some of those things, and she provided some temporary joy. But how much more so with God? How much more so with him? Something that's more long-lasting when my focus is truly on him. You see, Jesus... He gives us perspective. He gives us comfort. He gives us support. And Jesus and his word, it's alive and it's active. And emotionally, we're asked to connect. In fact, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Can't do anything. So another reflective question. Are you connecting to Jesus? Emotionally connecting to him through his word and prayer on a regular basis. See, the habit on our end is to make sure that we find a location, that we make sure we're, we find a frequent time. Because here's the honest truth. God doesn't want you to return to normal if your normal did not include him daily. He wants to meet you right where you're at. In fact, let me be transparent and honest. On Fridays, uh, one of the things that my wife and I do is that we have a regular date. And so even, even through COVID-19, what we do is we take the kids and we make them go downstairs. We put both dogs and downstairs, close the door and says, do not come out unless there is a fire. 
We want you to stay down there. We go buy something that usually they want, they don't get, and we come home and we have a chance to be able to connect. But if I'm going to be honest with you, on more than one occasion, there have been times that I am physically present, but I am emotionally disconnected. I'm talking, I'm, I'm engaging with my mind, we're having conversation, but my heart is far from that conversation. It's on other things. It's processing through and weighing down by fill in the blank. I wonder if you can relate. You've been in those situations? And I begin to wonder, how long would it be before my relationship with Carolina begins to deteriorate, even though we have some of those habits in place? if I'm not connected emotionally. You see, God wants us to read his word. And here's, I want to speak to those of you who really connect to God with your mind. Here's one of the things and the temptations is we read God's word as a book, as a manual, as a thing to study instead of a person to engage with, with our hearts. And so we might memorize scripture. We might know the Bible backwards and forward, but Jesus says, your hearts are far from me. And so I want to encourage you, when you open God's word, are you engaging emotionally? And watch to see how it lifts your spirit. Watch to see how it impacts all of who you are because you're bringing all of who you are to all of who God is and you get a chance to meet on a regular basis. In fact, what I know about this because you expressed it last week, even on social media, are all the emotions that you're feeling. So how do we deal with them? How do we walk through them? God's word meets us there. Like, for example, the Psalms. The Psalms are written so much from an emotional perspective. Situations, anxiety, pain, suffering. And there's a, a journey that the writer goes on to say, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm going through. God, here's what I'm being asked to do. And then here's where I'm going to end up if I follow the things that you've called me to follow as it pertains to connecting with you emotionally. Uh, let me just give you a few that's actually based on this study that was put out called Psalms Managing Our Emotions. Uh, for example, and maybe you'll identify with this might be one of the things that you suffer with. Maybe you feel alone. You feel abandoned. Here would be my encouragement for you. Read Psalms 22, 1 through 31. And you might find strength when you're feeling that way. Maybe you're feeling fear. Here's a chance for you to find peace even when you're afraid. Psalms 55, 1 through 23, go on that journey this week. Maybe you're finding yourself in gratitude. And if you continue to focus on gratitude, being thankful for the place and the time that God has put you in, read Psalms 136, 1 through 26. Maybe you're angry. You're angry about how the government's handling this. You're angry about how people are responding to this. You're angry about people posting about stuff that's pertaining to this. Go to Psalm 79. And meditate emotionally on, on verses 1 through 13. Maybe you're feeling down. You're feeling depressed. In times of desperation, you get an opportunity to cry out to God. Read Psalms 88, and you'll find somebody who identifies with that as well. Or maybe you're feeling disappointment. You've lost your job. Maybe some dreams have kind of faded away, missed opportunities. My heart continues to go out for those of you who are seniors in high school through this season of things that are lost, and you might find yourself very disappointed. I would encourage you to go to Psalms 107 and read through 1 verses 1 through uh, 43. 
So first, the first way that we're going to thrive through COVID-19 emotionally, the first way we're going to get through this is, again, by connecting to Jesus emotionally regularly. And secondly, is to emotionally connect to others emotionally connect to others. As an individualized culture, I have told you over and over and over that it was never meant to be a me and God religion. It's always meant to be a we and God relationship. That that's what the Bible is predicated on. It's about community. It's about doing life together with God, with Jesus at the center. In fact, If you study a little bit of American history, you know that there's been a 75-year study from Harvard University where they followed graduates from 1939 to 1944 from their graduation all the way through the rest of their life and into their 90s. Go ahead and Google it because it's fascinating. What they did is they looked at all aspects of their health and their well-being In fact, the principal investigator, the psychologist George Valiant, summarized the findings as follows. Happiness is love, full stop. People who have loving relationships with family and friends thrive. Those who don't, won't. That's the reality. And it's funny, to me anyway, that it took Harvard 75 years to discover what God and his word have said for centuries. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect in our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. One of the ways to illustrate this is last week, I showed you a picture of a tree in my backyard. This week, I want to show you another tree. In fact, a group of them. What you're seeing now is the sequoia trees in the Northern California region. Some of the most massive, some of the most majestic trees in the entire world. And you look at them, and if you're ever able to see them firsthand, they're powerful, they're intimidating. And you're like, they must have an incredibly deep root system, but that's not what makes them strong. What makes them strong is the interlocking root system that's just underneath the surface. See, their strength when storms and crisis come is not in them standing individually, it's them standing collectively, and it's the same with us. And I know it's hard. It's hard, and we're, we're trying to get through with Zoom calls and, and phone calls and FaceTime and, and these interactions. I, I've heard of some people that are getting coffee together at the, out of the back of their minivans or cars. Others are, are, are disobeying you know, some of the rules that are in place to go to each other's houses while still practicing social distancing just because they realize that God has wired us to be in relationship with one another. We need each other. In fact, this uh, last Tuesday during our devotional time, and we do that every morning at 8.30, Monday through Saturday through our social media platforms. And we're looking also in the book of Philippians. And the Apostle Paul, who's writing from house arrest in Rome, says these words, we are in this struggle together. This suffering, the situation. And remember, he's writing in isolation. So he's away from people, but he's saying, you know what? Collectively, we're going through this together. You are not alone. We are in this together. And knowing that, knowing that we're in relationships, we can then find some encouragement emotionally to be like, you know what? I can get through this because I'm not the only one. We're in this together. 
So during this time, especially in the most challenged environment, where do you think that is? Where's the most challenging environment right now emotionally? I know where it is for me. Home, right? In our homes. What I want to encourage you to do very practically is stop looking emotionally when this is going to end because you're going to continue to get disappointed. It's not going to go fast enough. It's not going to go quick enough. It's going to be something that's going to weigh you down emotionally. Instead, take advantage of the opportunity that's been given to us that may never be given to us again in our lifetime. Sit around the table. Engage. Maybe re-engage. Share stories. Laugh. Pray. Get rid of distractions. Turn off the TV. Put the cell phones away and be present and build those relationships. One thing I know we started to do as a family is once a week we have a Zoom call with our extended family that we've, we've not really done that before. And it's something that we're engaging with as well. I know during the week I've got people that I'm meeting with on Zoom calls on a Monday and a Thursday, and and I know some of you are meeting at different days of the week as well. It's not the same thing, but it's something that will help us to get through this together. In fact, this is going to sound really funny, but I'm going to encourage you to fight for healthy relationships, to actually go to battle for healthy relationships. Now, let's be honest. Raise your hand wherever you're at. If you have had any emotional challenge with anybody else in your living situation. Raise your hand. All right, I see all those hands. (laughs) Now, hey, I didn't say look at the person you're struggling with right now. Don't do that. You just created more issues that are gonna be able to have to be dealt with later. But I want you to fight because here's our problem is that when we fight, we start thinking about conflict avoidance. Most Americans don't like conflict and so we begin to avoid, we become peacekeepers instead of peacemakers. And as a result, in our homes, we begin to stonewall each other. We become passive aggressive. Our tone becomes terrible. We isolate even more. We lash out, or maybe that's just me in my own house. But we fight for relationship. Here's what's fascinating. Just a few verses before the ones that we just read in Philippians chapter 4, Paul knows the importance of how valuable that we are in this together is. For in verse 2, he says, Now I appeal to you, Yoda. (laughs) I think I just now Yoda is old, but he's not that old, you know. And so, Star Wars reference. Apologize about that. We I appeal to you, Yodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are written in the book of life. Paul knows the importance of relationship and to fight and contend for one another. And so another self-reflection. Do you have relational rooted issues that you need to work through during this season? See, we put these off. We don't want to deal with emotional issues with other people. And I'm imploring you, now is the time to dig even deeper with those that you tend to fight with the most and fight for healthy relationships. And again, our pastors are here. We'd love to be able to help walk you through it. If you find yourself stuck in the season, come out of COVID-19 emotionally better with God and others than when you went in. That's the goal. 
Philippians 4, 5 then says this, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. And all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And so number three, and how do we thrive through this emotionally, is to emotionally serve and love other people. Can we emotionally love and serve others? And we do this graciously with our time, our talents, and our treasures. Here's what I know. It's amazing how our mood changes when we get out of ourselves emotionally. When we stop thinking about what we have and what we don't have and, 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 and what's going on and all this kind of stuff, let me challenge you. Here's a specific challenge for all of us. One day this week, just one day, don't look at the news. Whether it be on your phones, whether it be on TV, whether it be on a tablet, don't look at the news. Just one day. You're not going to be able to change it anyway. Just one day, don't look at the news. And instead, the time that you would have spent looking at the news... Pour yourself into the life of somebody else. Could be in a small, very tangible, very specific way. And call me, email me, post something about what difference that makes in you emotionally in your connection with God and other people. Uh, let, me, let me tell you that in Matthew chapter 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We were on the receiving end of this just a couple of weeks ago. There's a couple in our church who decided to surprise us and they came to our door and they knocked and then they tried to run away, but we saw who it was. But I just want to say it meant so much that they would take time to bake fresh bread, that they would bring some energy drinks and, and an encouraging note. And, and I know you're seeing what we received. It just meant so much. I, I know that many of you have also contributed to what God is doing here at the food room. Uh, here at Otis, as well as at Barker, there have been over 1,200 bags that have been distributed. 1,200. Over 750 people have actually brought groceries from the outside in. Thousands of dollars have been given to the food distribution area, and thousands more have been given to benevolence. And I can guarantee you that those of, which, of you who have done that, you have felt better on that day. You have, because it wasn't about just you. You got outside of yourself and said, I'm going to love God by loving other people. I'm going to kind of put some of these other things away. And you walked away realizing it truly is better to give than it is to receive. It's powerful. So emotionally, connect to Jesus and others regularly, serve and love others. And then in verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So it lets us know that we emotionally lean on God by bringing everything to him. Now, honestly, let's be, let's be real. This is hard for most of us because our temptation in what we're going through with the fear, the depression, or the stress, as we process through this, our temptation, even if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is that we don't tend to emotionally lean on God. We tend to emotionally lean on other people on our girlfriends or boyfriends, our spouses, on Facebook. We kind of throw things out there. And that's not the way that God intended. In fact, let's be honest. I'll be honest with you. Instead of turning to God, when we're dealing with some of these hard emotions, we turn quickly to things that will bring an escape. Instead of turning to him, I mean, it's funny how often that I can admit to you that I've gone to the refrigerator when I'm not even hungry. Anybody else? 
Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's television, movies, Netflix, binge watching, shopping. Why do those things? Because we're trying to fill something inside of us that was made for only God to fill inside of us. And again, independently, none of those things are wrong. There's nothing wrong with any of the things that I mentioned. But anything that I love emotionally that directs or it dictates my life ahead of or in place of God, do you know what it's called? An idol. It's called an idol. And so during this season, to come out better than when we went in, you need to look and self-reflect. Please comment again. Maybe share this with a family member or friend. Do you have emotional idols that you turn to in place of God? And they can even be the very blessings of God. Sometimes the very blessings of God, like children or spouses or other people in our life, can become the idols that replace them emotionally. And we find ourselves looking to other things instead of to him. But God says, lean on him. In fact, he says in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. If you can worry, then you can pray. Can we turn our worry into prayer and find ourselves more emotionally connected to God coming out of this season than when we went in? That is a practical secret. Watch what happens. In fact, one thing that may help you on this journey is on our website. In fact, if you go to vrl.church and you click the online button and scroll just a little bit, you're going to see that we put it very easily to get to is our series we did a little over a year ago called Anxious for Nothing. And if you're struggling with anxiety and stress and worry, it'd be a great series to go back to and listen during this season. So emotionally, connect to Jesus and others regularly. Serve and love others and lean on him by bringing everything to him. And lastly, thank him for all he has done. What that means is to emotionally choose to focus on what God has done. How many times do we choose to emotionally focus on the negative? Right, it's that, it's that saying, if you get 10 compliments and one negative compliment, emotionally, which one do we focus on? The negative we tend to go that way. When you see a, a glass, is it half empty or is it half full? What do you choose to focus on? In fact, um, I asked my kids before this whole COVID-19 thing started, we were in a car ride on the way to school, and I was asking one of them, hey, what is it that turns a good day into a bad day? Uh, what is it? And more often than not, it's when somebody said something that hurt their feelings when they didn't achieve in a certain class or project, when they didn't you know, feel well for a few moments, it's a little thing. In fact, out of the day, 95% of the day was good, 5% of the day was not, and they chose to focus on the five, and instead of it being a good day with a little bit of negative, it was a bad day because of something small, because we've got to remember, remember what God has done. And it allows us to face what we're facing now. It reminds me of that, of that story of Elijah. You know, just briefly, Elijah is a prophet of God. and He's got these prophets, you know, that he's fighting against who are worshiping Baal. And so they said, all right, then let's, uh, let's see whose God is really real and whose is not. So 400 plus prophets of Baal, they decide to build an altar and they're crying out to their God. Elijah is so confident about who God is because he's walked a journey with God and he starts talking trash. He's like, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you got to cry louder. So they do. After a few more hours of doing this, he yells at 
it again. Hey, maybe your God is going to the bathroom, and so maybe he can't hear you. Read the scriptures. It's actually in there. And so finally, they're exhausted. They're done. So he says, you know what? In my altar, we're going to dig a trench. We're going to put a lot of water in it, and I'm going to simply pray, God, you are real. Show them that you're real. Boosh. This fireball from heaven comes down, and it consumes it up, and, and God wins the day. It's not very long after. Jezebel says, you know what, Elijah? I'm not, I don't like what you did. In fact, you're going to die. So what does Elijah do? He runs. He runs and he runs and he runs. He gets so exhausted. He's so depressed. He says, God, just take me now. I want to die. How quickly he forgot what God had done. How quickly he forgets. And I know if you're like me, I forget as well. In fact, I heard a stat this last week. Who would you guess, age demographic, who would you guess is most impacted emotionally during this season? My first guess was probably those in their 60s to their 80s. Those who are most vulnerable to what COVID-19 could do in their lives, could actually take their lives. But I was completely wrong. The people who are suffering the most emotionally, and this again was a study that was done amongst Christian people especially, don't miss this, not even close are those in their 20s and 30s. Their 20s, not in their 60s and 80s. Because those people in their 60s and 80s, they have lived through life. They can look back over and over and over and be reminded, I got through this, I got through this, I got through this, and God was with me all the steps of the way. And if I should perish from the earth, I believe in where I'm going as well. Those of us who are in our 20s or 30s or even 40s, it can be hard for us. But allow us to lean on the wisdom of others. God is there. Let's lean upon him. And when we do, there's a result. The result is don't worry about anything. Instead of pray about everything, tell God what you need, but don't miss this, and thank him for all he's done. Then, here's the result. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You see, the result of us practicing these five ways of connecting to God emotionally is this. When we practice these habits, we will experience peace. It's not circumstantial. God doesn't leave it for us to guess. He's offering a pathway for us through COVID-19 to come out of this better than when we came in. So which one of these five are you going to do? If you try to do all of them, you probably won't make it in any of them. But if you focus on one, can you tell somebody else, even as we end today, before the day is done, can you tell somebody else which one you're going to focus on? Emotionally connecting to Jesus regularly, maybe to, to serve others, maybe to love, maybe to, to, to connect with others, maybe to lean on God by bringing everything to him or just to focus on what he has done. You see, let me close with this story that some of you may remember. Jesus is with his disciples, and a storm is raging. They're in the middle of the water, and they're petrified. And what is Jesus doing? Sleeping. They wake him up, and they say, Jesus, don't you care? 
that we're going to drown. Jesus, don't you care we're going through COVID-19? Jesus, don't you care about what I am feeling emotionally based on my perception of what's going on? And Jesus just looks around and he says three words, peace be still. And everything goes still. The peace that God wants to provide comes, but it's going to come from the inside out as we connect to him emotionally. But I'm telling us all on this day, this is simple, but it sure isn't easy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. And if there's anyone who's not yet received you, may today be the day that they turn to you and share that with others. And if you're watching right now, my prayer is that you would make that known, that you would email us, that you would call us, that you would tell us. And for some of you, you'd take the next steps in being baptized in him. Father, for all of us, may we pick one and may we realize the opportunity to enter a new normal as we leave from this place in this season. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.